Callum McGregor's corner. Boyata knocks it down. Brown! Deflected, but the captain will be having that one again. This is what champions do. Celtic have scored in the last minute of the 90. And it looks like they will go eight points clear on a defining weekend in Scotland. And breathe. You're listening to the Grand Old Podcast. We're back for the 56th time, and wow, is there a lot to talk about. Does that make us the world's most successful podcast, Tamish? <laughs> Very good. Let's start with the positives. We're eight points clear and we're on our way to eight in a row after an eighth successive domestic clean sheet and an eighth successive domestic win. After some late drama at Rugby Park, we'll have all the reaction to that. A momentous weekend in the Ladbrokes Premiership. We'll also recap on the less positive stuff, whisper it. But there was disappointment in midweek and probable failure in the Europa League against Valencia. Where is it going wrong? Well, we'll add our tuppence worth to the debate a little later on as well. We'll also cover all of the other Celtic-related stuff since we last did a podcast. And I'll have a contender for possibly the most embarrassing moment ever in my life. Oh, so, nice. Uh, Looking we can look to forward to that yeah. later on. That's uh, if, if the rest of the stuff I said isn't a reason enough to keep listening, then that definitely is. So we'll, we'll hold on to that for a little bit later on. But I'm still bright red, put it that way, and it was nearly two hours ago. So stay tuned for all of that. My usual buddies, you've heard them already, John McGinley is alongside Paul Fisher. And uh, Paul, we'll start with you. Quite simply, is this the weekend that the title was won? Yes, there's nothing else to say. Yes, it is. Eight points clear. Um, we're not going to drop enough points to lose the title from this point. So, um, champions again. <laughs> Job done. You predicted it. Uh, well, uh, once it gets to double figures, I'll be saying I predicted it. But um, we, we've got a few games to go, a few wins to go. Um, we've got some nice, tasty fixtures coming up. But I think we've got breathing room now that we can relax and start playing good football. Um, the day the game at Rugby Park was tough. But uh, I think we've, we've shown the kind of fighting spirit and the thing that you need to be the champions of the league game we've shown it obviously over the past number of seasons and we're pushing on towards getting um, above last year's points total which is good as well yeah well anyone that follows you and uh, more specifically your feeder page on Instagram a wee munch will know that you never settle for anything other than second best and I suppose <laughs> the same could be said for Celtic it's a, it's a good way of putting it yeah it's, it's always something but there's always something more to be had. I think that's you, you, you look at it. There's always something new to try, um, and there's always something bigger and better. So. Wait, ho- hold on. Is this you actually talking about food now or Celtic? I'm, I've lost track here. <laughs> no, I think both. it's applicable to both, John. Uh, okay. But it was. Uh, we've seen the best from Celtic in the past under Brendan Rodgers. We've seen this swashbuckling football, this great fast play. We've seen you know powerful goals. We've seen everything there is. Today, John, we saw something different, didn't we? We saw a determination to win. Determination to win, but not just that, just an absolute ruthlessness to KO Rangers on, on a weekend that could have been really tough for us. You know, you think about well, you think about Hugh Keevans' prediction tweet at the start of the weekend that Rangers could cut the cut the lead to three points today, we're going to Rugby Park, the pressure's on. 
and they draw and the one thing that we needed to do was just put our, th our foot on their throat and we absolutely did that and I don't really care about the quality performance it was difficult it was one of those dodgy away fixtures but we just had to find a way to win and Brendan Rodgers teams more often than not in the big matches find their way to win domestically at least and we did that yeah. today it was no surprise really that Scott Brown popped up with a winner even though he doesn't score a lot of goals but he, he's he's the leader on that pitch and he's shown once again that he's going to drag us towards an 8th league title and hopefully 9 and 10 and that's what I took away from today just an absolute ruthlessness to destroy Rangers when they're at their most vulnerable and it's been fantastic start to 2019 and I can't ask for more Well I'll be the, the first one to mention that the fact that it wasn't just Rangers that we put our um, our, our foot on or, or whatever this weekend it was the fact that we were the only team in the top six actually to win you know Aberdeen wow, dropped yeah. points Hearts lost earlier today we obviously beat Kilmarnock so it's a fantastic weekend it is it was only three points at the end of the day Paul but it does feel like so much more than that yeah it does because I think going off the back of yesterday when Aberdeen Rangers both dropped points um Somewhat unexpectedly, you would probably say both had home games against opposition you would expect them to pick up the three points against. But that's where you have to capitalise and take the take the, the honest and take it forward. And and we did that eventually. Um, Kamalika, notoriously difficult side to break down at home. And they haven't conceded a lot of goals there for a good reason. They are a good, a good side. They're, they're set up very well. But as John said, there's someone there on that pitch that can drag you towards a goal. Um, usually when it comes to things like that it's a spectacular effort we'll, we'll look back at, at Rogic for example but Brown was there and he was in about everything um, he was he was bravo I thought it was great like the way he was he, he didn't have his best performance but he was he was just there he was like a bulldog he was always in about the, the Kamalot midfield and um, the ball falls to him it's getting bloomed over the bar but luck would have it it ends up in the back of the net so I think it, it was always going to be a, a tight game I think my prediction last week was was a wee bit out there um, with 3-0 <laughs> but um, happy to take all three points well, what, in the movie What about the goal though? The goal was kind of went in off um, Alex Bruce's elbow he only came on the pitch because Broadfoot got sent off for a horror challenge on Brown on so, Brown so yeah. it all worked out in the, for the best in the end but I just thought that was um kind of justice done there I feel football has a funny way of writing scripts doesn't it John yes. what about that goal though great finish in the end goes in the celebrations are wild they celebrated as if we'd won the league John well you know it's these fans coming onto the pitch it's just ridiculous <laughs> week after week we see we see the fans coming on the pitch up and down the league celebrating like they've won the league but yeah it just so happens that today it does feel like we did win the league we did win the league today I, I feel like confidence in the league is won now um, there was a way fixture we, we, after we came back after the winter break we talked at length on this podcast about how the home form's all, home form's all well and good but it's all about getting these results away from home now and turning around the form from the first half of the season and we've, we've gone away to St Johnston and we've gone away to Kilmarnock and we've won, won really tough matches against really organised sides against experienced professional teams in this division Kilmarnock are on and have some shaky form of late but over the last year they've proved themselves to be one of the most consistent sides in the league and you know winning today is a real statement of intent for me and I feel 12 games left with 8 points ahead I know we've got to play Rangers twice we've got to play Aberdeen and it's just there, there, there are big matches ahead but there's absolutely no way that we're giving away this league now, this league now in this league we're going to be lifting that trophy again in May 
just for anyone that didn't see the match and perhaps has heard a little bit about it, I, I was there um, in my, my kind of working capacity. I'll just run you through what I took from the match. Um, certainly in the first half there was two real kind of decent opportunities they were both involved Odson Edward one when he kind of swivelled and dragged it just wide and another one when he was played through I think by Ryan Christie and he was uh, smothered by the goalkeeper Backman um, we didn't create a, a great load in the second no. half the ones that sprang out to me was the, the Ryan Christie headed chance probably about 10 minutes from time I think Kelly had just gone down to 10 men at that stage but there was a feeling that something special was to, about to happen I felt that in the air that late on when we got those corners, I think we got one corner and then we got another one and there was just a feeling that something was going to happen and uh, when that ball came out, back out to Scott Brown from a Boyata kind of knockdown, you knew it was only going one place and I know it went in off Alex Bruce and it would have been a penalty I think if it hadn't gone in, it had to have been a penalty um, but you just knew that ball was going in and I think we take them for granted a lot of the time. The fans, for me, being there, um, anyone who's at Rugby Park today, that's a match that will live long in the memory. They, they won't forget that. Um, and, and as I say, for me, a lot of the time we just take the fans for granted. The fact there was nine, nine and a half thousand there and a crowd of just under 12,000 at Rugby Park. The noise throughout the match, there was a, the 60th minute when we really needed the support when Kelly had a good spell at the start of the half and uh, I remember the Celtic Symphony getting belted out as mm -hmm. loud as I've ever heard it by both stands about an hour into that match I thought the fans were tremendous today um, I think they were almost sucking that ball into the, the net in the closing yeah. stages of the match and for anyone and there'll be no um, there's no shortage of, of online videos of fans enjoying themselves at the game today following the Scott Brown goal but just have a look at that because they were just they were just absolutely incredible and, and the noise and the celebrations um, when that goal went and I've I've never seen a stand go as crazy as that there was <laughs> limbs everywhere there was folk falling back rows it just looked absolutely crazy and it just it had that feeling for me I don't I don't I don't always like comparing great moments but it yeah. did have a feeling of that Tom Rogic goal with the same no, day totally. a few years ago yeah. and it was it, it was remarkable for me it's a massive massive game I said a couple of weeks ago the St Johnston win felt big if that felt big this felt humongous it's it's a great signal of intent this is on another level I mean you talk about cornerstone matches throughout the season you talk about the derby matches you talk about the cup finals and stuff but this will go down as a famous late winner from Scott Brown a famous victory like you say a day that the fans will never forget because it becomes one of those crucial moments in the season you know you pick out five or six matches this is this is one of those and you're right, there was an inevitability about us scoring in the end. And it's funny because we've been talking recently about how we're seeing the team get back to those kind of first first season levels under Brendan Rodgers when we just looked absolutely invincible, literally invincible. And I feel like today, even when I was watching the match and it's ticking on 85 minutes, I was never actually that worried that we weren't going to get the winner. I obviously knew it would be difficult to get over the line, but I just had this confidence in the team that I've not had for a yeah. while, even in the wake of Valencia, even in the wake of poor results earlier in the season. I just felt like this time the, you know, the team are going to get this job done because right now in Scotland, in Scottish football, there is absolutely not a team that can touch us. And we look, we genuinely look like that invincible machine-like team of the first season under Rodgers and that's the highest praise that I can give. 
Yeah, again, just to compare it to another match, and I said a minute ago I hate doing it, but I'm going to do it again. I, uh, the Motherwell game in the first season for me, I had a similar feeling when you know there was the time was ticking on. It was 88, 89, 90 minutes, but you still always felt a we would get one chance, and yeah. b you just had that feeling we would take it. And can't talk highly enough of, of how massive a result. Obviously, loads of scenes, um, scenes we don't like to see in many ways. With fans actually from the opposite stand running onto the pitch. I don't know if the TV cameras picked up, but they were up as far as the dugouts. It was not great, but Jeez. in terms of uh, behind the net that, that Celtic actually scored into, it was, it was pretty incredible. Scott Brown obviously sent off as well. Paul uh, second yellow for for his celebrations. For me slightly harsh I think if you actually watch it the fans actually come to him and then he gets dragged in uh, last minute winner against Kelly one of the if you want to call them title rivals certainly one of the top teams in the country um, I think that's slightly harsh don't know about you Paul it's one of these things it's it's a rule and and it's like how do, how, how do you differentiate between a yellow card for a bad tackle and a yellow card for a handball and, a, and that it's like the referee doesn't do it. Does he set a precedent? I don't. I don't know. I think it's a daft rule. Regardless, um, you don't see it in, in any other sport. Somebody getting penalised for celebrating. Um, it doesn't make much sense to me. It doesn't put any time onto the game because if there's thirty seconds of celebration, the referee's going to add that on regardless. So, for to penalise somebody for for showing a, a bit of passion um, is completely pointless. Um, there are Comalant fans that are arguing. A, a, a few of mine did after the game that that Brown should have been sent off beforehand. Um, they were moaning about his tackle in the first half and uh, a supposed handball as well whether that's something that Bobby Madden's taken into consideration after sending off Broadfoot then you don't know but I think he's following the letter of the law which I think is, is a dud law it should be taken out and I think the, the powers that be should be looking at that because it's completely pointless it's just one of those things like I think Brown knew he was getting sent off the referee knew he was sending him off like it was just one of those things. Like, like he's probably maybe never score another goal for Celtic again, given this that he doesn't score many. You know, he scored two in a week, but before that, he went two years or something. Aye. So yeah, it was two years. Like it's not as if he's going to not celebrate a last minute winner for Celtic in a key match in the title race just because he's going to get sent off. I know he's suspended yeah. and it's a bit of a boy for us, but. I really couldn't give a toss, and he couldn't give a toss either. He walked off without even acknowledging it. Uh, did you did you see him walking <laughs> yeah, off? It was yeah. amazing. He was he walked walked up just to that narrow tunnel. He <laughs> was getting so much abuse. I don't know what he ever did to command at football club, but they absolutely <laughs> hate him. And he's getting hates so him much abuse, and he's just walking yeah. off smirking. It's brilliant, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Well, that is that much is true. But uh, Scott Brown had the last laugh. Great result for Celtic. Command it now, Celtic won. We're eight points clear. Another clean sheet. That's uh, eight in a row domestically. I love how the stats kind of start to get skewed and you start to do, you know discount the fact we conceded two against Valencia and it'll be domestic mm-hmm. now. And then when we concede one, maybe in a cup, it'll be a league one or something yeah. like that. It's brilliant. But they deserve credit. And I, I thought Scott Bain kind of looked certain again today. So... That was all good. Um, anything else to add in the Kilmarnock game? Any other observations? No, I just think like obviously the overall performance wasn't wasn't perfect. There was a few players that looked a bit a bit ropey. I thought Johnny Hayes had a good game on the left flank. I thought he was working hard all the game. He really looks like he wants to impress and kind of um, at least fill in um, spirit wise for Tierney, if not ability wise. And that's all we can really ask from him. He's a player playing out of position. He's doing a job for us that we probably wouldn't have 
never expected to do when he signed for the club. Emilio Izaguirre had a, a shocker of a match on Thursday. He's stepping in with a little bit of pressure on the shoulders. He did run into a few corridors, a few dead ends at, at some points, but basically felt like he had a, another pretty solid game. And I think if Tierney's out now, I think you turn to Hayes. When it comes to domestic football, you turn to Johnny Hayes um, at left-back. And I, I think um, that's a real positive right now because Tierney's obviously a, a couple of matches away. Yes, I would agree with that. Just finally, in terms of domestic matters, because I've been very careful to split up the domestic stuff and the European performances because it seems <laughs> like the team has done the same over the last couple of years. Yep. Uh, Scottish Cup draw... Uh, we've got Hibs away, that'll be on the Saturday evening, Paul. Um, we also know that only one of Aberdeen Rangers and today's beating team, Kilmarnock, will be in the semi-finals. Uh, obviously, if we put Hibs out, that's another big team out as well. Gone eight points clear today. Are we starting to see the finishing line for yet another treble? I think it'd be daft not to, to look at it like that because, obviously, after Wednesday night, one of Rangers and Kilmarnock are going to be out. Um who who that will be? I honestly don't know. It's, it's going to be a, another close game, I would imagine. And then Aberdeen, but are Aberdeen any great shape? They've not shown for me this season that, that they're going to get close to us in a in a cup semi final or a cup final. So out of the teams that are left, do you do you see any of them going to Hamden and, and up against the, the team that have never been beaten a cup in twenty four games getting a or twenty five games it will be at that point getting a result? I don't think so. Um, I don't think we've anybody to fear in the Scottish Cup. The league's sewn up. We can go right. We can focus on the cup games. They take them one at a time. And I think Hibs, although they've got a new manager, they've got a win at the weekend. I think you go into the Easter Road thinking, right, we'll, we'll get this one out of the way, we'll move on to the semi-finals and we know they're two games away for a treble-treble. I mean, I mean, Hibs away might end up being the hardest match between now and lifting the trophy. I mean, it's a difficult fixture at Easter Road, I feel like, especially a knockout game, you know, Paul Heckenbottom's, well, first of all, he's avoiding getting a beating off of Paul, but then, you know, <laughs> he's he's looking to impress with the results. What, what bigger result can you get than knocking Celtic out the the Scottish Cup when they've already won two trebles, you know. So that's going to be a really hard match. And if we get past that, I mean, it's it's, it's fortuitous that Aberdeen and Rangers have got each other and Rangers and Kilmarnock have got each other because those are the the three of our strongest teams in the league in the country. And the, the fact that they're knocking each other out can only benefit us. So I'm pretty confident, but I think once I get past the Hibs game, I'll feel a lot more confident about the treble. Right, so all aboard the, the treble bus then. Uh, everything's good then, guys. Everything Celtic is good, yeah? Well, yeah, a wee bit. <laughs> a wee bit. There's two Celtics right now. I like to think of it as the two Celtics. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the, the other Celtic then. The less uh, the less friendly Celtic, how about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Thursday night we, we played a big game. It was the Europa League round of 32, first leg against a good team, the eighth best team in Spain, at the moment, uh, disappointment for us, a 2-0 defeat, yet another, or, or yet more disappointment in Europe under Brendan Rodgers. It seems, where do we start exactly with this one? I mean, mm. do, do we start with um, the performance, the result? I th- Me I think- personally, I, I, I don't think that, I, I only speak for myself here, I don't expect Celtic to, to beat Valencia and put them out no. of Europe. I think what I, I do expect is a better level of performance and a better a better level of mentality almost yeah. uh, because we were we were found lacking um, big time on Thursday night John we were and it's it's difficult it's a difficult fixture to talk about especially in the wake of the Comanic victory because you're just so buzzing I'm trying to put my mind back to where I felt on Thursday night and I think after the final whistle or even midway through the second half it was almost a feeling of acceptance in, in terms of 
what is there to believe in in, in Brendan Rodgers' team anymore in Europe? You know, there's there's an inevitability about that result and that performance. We've seen it many times. We used to be able to rely on at least the home matches having lots of fighting spirit about us and bringing a game to a team, but we just allowed ourselves to be slowly throttled by a really efficient Valencia side who are no mugs at that level, know how to get the 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 wins and basically looked a class above from the first minute. And you're right, and what's this podcast been going for almost well, almost three years now, three European campaigns. And I think from the start, we've always said that we never expect to beat big teams in one of the, the five big leagues, because I think that's just too much to ask with the status of the club. But I think you're right, Hamish, all we've ever asked is that the team um, look like they're up for it. And I don't feel like we did look like that on Thursday, and it was all a bit depressing, really. But midway through the second half I just like I say I felt acceptance because I just wanted to move on from it and focus on domestic football again and I don't really see how it changes because Rodgers is who Rodgers is and I don't think he's going to change anytime soon I think in the context of our season it's not the worst result in in the world because like you say I had no expectation going into it in the first place I just feel nothing about Europe anymore and that's maybe a sad indictment of where we are right now yeah I would go for that how about I lay some of the the facts from Brendan Rodgers' time um, in Europe as Celtic manager, he has had, and it's easy to forget this in all the doom and gloom, he has had some top European home performances. The ones Man City in his first season, uh, Zenit last season mm. in the Europa League, Leipzig and even Bayern Munich last season to a yeah. certain extent, although we lost that one. You know, Good sides that are better than us, that we matched, that we got positive results in most cases against really good, vibrant, strong, fearless performances yeah. in those matches. But for every Man City and Zenit and Leipzig, there's uh, there's another one. There's an Anderlecht or a Valencia on Thursday night. And, and for me... PSG. Yeah, well, you can name them PSG. You could even argue Barcelona at home was a, was a poor performance. Gladbach was another one. There's been lots and lots of them. And for me... Quite simply, the team has a real mentality issue on these nights. You know, I feel like setbacks really disturb this team, and I'm not saying that that's uh, that's completely unnatural. I mean, of course, setbacks. That's why they're called setbacks, are because they're they're things that have gone wrong. But I feel like when this happens in European nights, and I can't quite put my finger on why. I don't know if it's because the team domestically are so commanded, and they're always they always back themselves, even if they go behind to. To you know, fight back and to win a match when things go wrong in Europe, and I'm talk I'm not talking conceding a goal. I'm talking on Thursday night. What a good start we made to the game, and then you just I could even pinpoint it to that short back pass that that Scott Brown played to Scott Bain that that nearly got us in trouble. And it was almost as if from that moment a, a pan- pandemic set in, and the fans were getting restless and, and anxious, and you could see it manifested onto the pitch as well. And from that stage, we were never the same Celtic. So. For me, the, the mentality is all wrong on these big nights. But once again, to, to put the facts out there, and I'll let you come on to this, Paul, to put the facts out there, there are the odd good performance. You can't say it's every single European match. We're just nowhere near consistent enough at that level. No, we're not. And it's it's frustrating and disappointing as well because John spoke about Rogers not changing. And that, for me, is, is one of the key things. It's... These teams are coming into the, the game and thinking, right, well, we know how Celtic are going to play and we're doing that. And it's not changing about because of who the opposition is. Valencia came into that game thinking, right, this Celtic team are decent. They're on a good running form. They're not conceding goals. But they knew 
that if they they followed what their manager told them about, they obviously targeted Izagiri, they pressed us high, they didn't give us space in the middle of the park, and when we got the ball in the final third, they boxed us in. It was it was as simple as that because you're watching the game, we're getting frustrated, pass to pass, side to side, all the time. There was no nothing going through. It was going to out to the wings, and that's how Rogers is playing it. There was nothing going inside at all. I don't think that I can remember from Thursday night where Forrest is cutting in. It's always going out to the the wide. Tolian's coming round. Sinclair and Izagiri are going, and McGregor to an extent on the left hand side, and then it's going back the way. Um, and that was echoed with the yeah. fans. The frustration on Thursday night was every time there was a back pass from Brown to. Boyata or Boyata across to Toyan or back the way. There was audible groans. It was it was an absolute nightmare, um, and I think we were justified in the fact that when we went one down, everybody in the stadium thought it was offside, um, and I think by the reaction of the Celtic players, for me, I knew it wasn't offside, um, but that kind of that kind of snowballed into the fact that the the fans started getting onto the back of the referee and then getting onto the back of the team. And then that sense of doubt starts to come in. And at that point, if we're 1-0, we score a goal. We're going into the second leg thinking, right, we've got a half a chance here. But then it keeps up. And the worst thing we could have done was come out of the second half and concede a goal as early as we did. Um, after that, the game was over, the tie was over. And it was a case of 40 minutes of frustration. I it was, it was. It was really, it was just so arduous and annoying that we know that what the team can do. But there was nothing there that we could change. Um <laughs> You look, you look at the team that we, we picked and, you know, Rodgers obviously went into it with um, not planning to change any aspect of how we play at all um, in terms of passing out from the back, but it was obvious from almost maybe 20 minutes in that that wasn't going to be effective and that Valencia were just going to be far too uh, proficient in pressing us and putting us under pressure for us to be as accurate as we needed to be in terms of moving the ball forward. And I think when you look at the the team selection but Burke was in the team um, you, you know we knew from the previous weekend against I know it was against St Johnston but we know he's got pace to burn we know he's speed we know that he likes to take defenders on and we didn't try to utilise that at all we forced Burke to play with his back, back to goal, goal which is yeah. which he's not great at doing compared to Edward in my opinion and we didn't try to utilise this. We didn't try to play the ball in front of him. We didn't try to do anything like that. And I'm not saying we're going. We should be playing hoofball, but I just feel like when it was obvious that we were inviting Valencia into our half and playing on their terms, then surely we've got another way of playing. Surely we've got something else in 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 the tactical mind of Brendan Rodgers and his coaching staff for us to do something different against the team of that calibre. Because what we're doing right now just isn't working. And I'm going into every match now thinking that unless that other team are playing pretty poorly, that unless that better team are playing poorly against us, we're just not going to do it. Or unless we play to some kind of dynamite passing statistic of 100% completion when we're moving the ball forward, it's just not going to happen for us. It's just so depressing. It's mental. Yeah, it's a well-known way that Brendan Rodgers plays, and he said it from day one, is that it's patience, and if you can't find a gap, then, you know, recycle the ball, start another attack, don't give possession away. So, quite bluntly, turning defences or putting the ball in behind, whatever way you want to label it, it isn't something that Brendan Rodgers will do in Europe. For me, when you look at the previous managers who have had success in... Uh, well, home games because we've never really had success away. Gordon Strachan, Neil Lennon, 
they knew how to stay in matches and they knew how to create opportunities and they knew kind of what moments to go and, and really put a stamp on a game. But for me, the most important thing they did, as I say, was they were built on good defences, good defences that didn't give sloppy goals away. Yeah. And for me, we just shot ourselves in the foot again. The two goals we conceded, you can say all you want about the second goal. It's a great delivery and there's an argument that in Scotland we wouldn't get punished by that because it's it's a class goal. But equally, the defending's terrible to allow him in. Scott Brown gives it away really slack. Yeah. I think it's him and Ryan Christie in the midfield. Neither of them take the guy and win the ball. And for me, there's too much of that defensively. Our defence our defense simply isn't good, and it's something, I think you've made the point in the past, John, that Brendan Rodgers' defences have never been good wherever he's been. So mm-hmm. perhaps this is just the way it's going to be in Europe. It certainly seems that way. I, I certainly don't think under Brendan Rodgers that anything drastic is going to change next season and we're going to be beating teams in the Champions League or anything. So perhaps it's just something that we have to we have to get used to under Brendan Rodgers but for me just to, to reiterate what I said a couple of minutes ago the, the most worrying thing for me was the mentality at certain points in the game you know the team went 2-0 down and I get being 2-0 down at home in front of an expectant home support is difficult but they just looked lost out there a lot of players you know experienced footballers who have played a lot of games as a Geary um, Brown to a certain extent Simunovic uh, other players looked out of it and they, they looked lost in that pitch and for me that's unforgivable even if you're 2-0 down against a decent team of Valencia and they are a decent team they're not as good as Salzburg in my opinion I think Salzburg are a better team um, but these players have got to go and show some sort of desire to want to get back into the game or at least make a fist of it um, and they didn't do that for me and that, for me that was the most important thing I, f- I felt the same as you John I felt accepting 60 minutes in I, I'd wished the game away when that second goal went in I immediately yeah. just thought right who we got Sunday um, and who we got the following Sunday after that not even thinking yeah. of the second leg because there's no way no way of no. pulling that back <laughs> yeah just just on your mentality point you're talking about how we didn't look great after the second goal and you're right but the thing is we actually even when we were, there was no adversity against us we looked we looked scared as soon as the first misplaced ball after about 11 minutes or something you know we had a really strong opening 10 minutes where we're passing the ball crisply where we're getting it into their half but as soon as Valencia figured out our pattern and, and our and our movement, <laughs> 10 minutes in, we just looked absolutely like a rabbit caught in headlights. It was unbelievable. And that's when they didn't really put us under any pressure. It's not like they were battering our door down to get these goals. We let in two fairly, you know, well, the second goal was good, but the first goal was shocking defending. And we it wasn't like we were like Kilmarnock today where we were kind of had our backs against the wall and like Valencia pouring pressure onto us we just we yeah we we crumbled in our own minds we didn't crumble because Valencia knocked our knocked our confidence down how many times has that happened though you think back the Bayern Munich game when we were pressing them playing really well Boyata and Gordon mess up and Bayern Munich score It, it happens so many games especially away from home but at home as well Who's to blame, Paul? Are the players to blame for making individual mistakes? Has Brendan Rodgers got off scot-free with that because it's the players? Or is he to blame for perhaps the mentality? He was talking pre- and post-match, and I made a big point of this. He mentioned pre-match, whenever it was, Wednesday, and also after the match about belief, saying you have to have the belief, you can play at this level, compete at this level, and you can win at this level. And he, he made the point before and after, so it's clearly something that's very big in him. Um, I don't know what the opposite of belief is, but that's what I saw on Thursday night. Yeah, I think you need to look at the manager first um, because he's the one that decides 
how and like what type of a, a performance these players are going to have because he sets them up in a way that he wants to do. Like it's not as if Rogers is saying right, we're playing across the back and the players decide well we're just going to change that up. They're following their like it's the it's the guy who's leading them and it, and it is working in domestic games. We can see that quite clearly because we've won all the trophies that under him and we're on our way to win another or two. But it's the transition between Europe and domestic games that, that there isn't there. There's no plan B. Rogers doesn't have the, the answer. He is not the oracle when it comes to European games. And I think he, his coaching staff and the players need to take stock of the fact that this is happening far too often. Yes, Valencia are a very good side. Did They, they made us look ordinary, but we, we also did that ourselves. We have to look at the fact that the, the formation is is similar to what it is in, in every other game and you can't expect to play Valencia the same way as we play St Johnston it's, it, it's, it just doesn't marry up um, yes we will we'll have games but I think the games where it works in are anomalies because the, the, the norm is the fact that we, we crumble we don't perform and we speak about it and we say what's the problem and then we say the same thing again and again and again when the games like Bayern Munich as you mentioned um, in Leipzig there, there was there was hints of that during the games but luck was on our side um, there was a few standout performers and there was good goals that's that's the difference yeah. with, the, with these games and Rodgers has to realise that I'm not saying that what he's doing is wrong because he obviously believes in his his, the way, his way of doing things and believes that it'll come a stage when what he's doing will be right and it'll work and we will get a run in Europe but as for its well, way so far it's, it's not it's not working that's not going to happen though is it no and it's not as if you look at the, the performance of the team and you're thinking god that guy's what's what's he doing he's not following instruction he doesn't look like he's in and um he doesn't look like he's in step with the rest did you of see the as a Gary for the first goal yeah you know yeah well that that is true and i don't know what that is i don't know what that was all about i don't know if that's just a total mind blank i didn't think Josef Sminovic covered himself in glory for that goal either I think that the whole defence seemed to be completely out of touch with each other. I understand what you're saying there, but I'm talking about in terms of the organisation when we're passing the ball and we're trying to assert ourselves on the game. I think that um, the, the the team do what Brendan Rodgers tells them to do. I don't think they're not following instructions, really. And so I think for me, that obviously the buck stops on the manager in that regard. And um, Maybe it's just our cross the bear. It might just be our cross the bear that we just have to deal with this because... And I'm, 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 I'm happy to admit that I'm probably okay with that, given the success that Brendan Rodgers has brought to, to to our team and our club. I wouldn't give any of it up for a win against Valencia. So, ultimately, does it matter that much? <laughs> well, I, I want to leave that debate for a wee minute. We'll come on to that. I just okay. want to kind of cover the game a wee bit more. We'll definitely come to that in a second. I mean, what if I throw the, what if I throw the feeling out there, um, and I know you two will jump in this straight away, that, that these players quite simply are, are just good enough domestically, they're good players, they, they win trophies, they, they succeed, they know how to do it against, let's be honest, pretty limited opposition in Scotland, although I think it is getting better, and they just can't do it in Europe, what would you say to that? What would you say if they're just not good enough and they're, they're shown up by better teams and better players in Europe? I would say that perhaps that there's a truth to that, because I think maybe we're talking about mentality and all this, but maybe the gulf between our team and these teams in Europe is just far too great for us to get by on on that kind of Celtic spirit and determination that was seen under Strachan, Lennon, and obviously O'Neill had a much 
more talented team, but even in even in that regard and kind of grinding results out and re- rising to the occasion of the sold out Celtic Park and the atmosphere. But the, I mean, the atmosphere on Thursday didn't seem that good, and I don't think it's the crowd's fault. It's not the fans' fault. It's the way we played. We played with um, we played like we were scared, yeah. and the the crowd played off that, and it was a vicious a vicious a vicious cycle by that point. Yeah, and I, and I, maybe they aren't good enough. Maybe it's it's, it's purely an ability thing. I I, I don't maybe agree. I, I can't. I can't. I, I don't think you can. You can say that when you look at the teams that we've had and the players that we've had that have won games for us in Europe and big games. Um, you can't turn around and say to me that odds on Edward isn't as good a striker as Scott McDonald. I don't think you can. You can do that. Think, okay. see things like that. There's guys in our team that are very, very, very good players, and and I would say a lot of them are could easily. I'm not saying the best teams in England, but they could get into teams in English Premier League, and there's a few that will make the grade at the top table. And if they're not good enough to to play in Europe, then then why are we having? Why are why are these guys about? They should every player in the team, although injuries of of paid to a, a couple of things in, in this game specifically Izagiri is past the, the level where, where he was but the players should be good enough um, and I think they show against weaker opposition that, that they're very good players so why it, it, it seems to me like it's a stage fright thing it's not about ability it's about belief in, and it's a mentality thing but you look, but you look at the defence though Paul I mean if you look in terms of the way Rodgers plays I mean, I know that the way they were going to play in Europe Everything revolves around the link between defence and midfield for us in every single match that we mm-hmm. play. doesn't matter who we're playing. And you look at our back four on Thursday night and those players are not good enough to be playing at that level for us. So why Maybe are they? Are, well, they are, that's a good question, Hamish. That's a good question. <laughs> Obviously, there are injuries. There's an, a, an injury to one of our, perhaps our best player in Kieran Tierney. There's an injury to Philip Benkovic who was brought in to perform at European level by Brendan Rodgers. Boyata, arguably good enough um, as part of a unit yeah. on his own, doesn't doesn't sometimes inspire confidence, but I think overall probably okay, you would accept him in, at yeah, European no, level. And in Tolian, it's his first match at that level for quite a while. You know, there's excuses to be made for him. I don't think he looked particularly great, but you look at that back four and I don't think that unit, as a unit, was good enough to be performing at that level. All our strengths lie in our more attacking players. That's where our elite players are. And and that defensive unit, the fact that everything revolves around them, that's where all our attacks start, I just think is it's inexcusable. And I think it's a recruitment problem and I think it's a managerial problem and a coaching problem. Um, and I, I, it's, it's easy to blame the players and say they've black bottle and they, their mentality is garbage, but... The, the the answers are are above their pay grade, in my opinion. Is is there not a, an argument that because Brown and McGregor and Forrest weren't on the A game that that initially or straight away affects Boyata? No, you, no, you know? because I f- I feel like it's the other way around. I feel like because we looked nervous and and we invited Valencia onto us with our passing between the defenders, I think that in turn affects the ho- the whole rest of the team. And we're already fighting a losing battle, and we can't even get the ball to park. Never mind, you know, let him do something with the ball. I would just like to see Celtic, quite simply, going almost going back to old in Europe. I'd, I'd love to see a, a plan B, almost from Brendan Rodgers. Of as you say, putting. I'm not talking about lumping the ball long. I think there's a massive difference between you know putting the ball long up up high to to Burke or, or Edward or whoever, 
and turning the defence. I'd, I'd like to see us turn defences more. I'd like to see Burke, you know, feeding off scraps a little bit more, going getting corners, that kind of thing. Because for me, that's the kind of thing that really brings the fans into the game. I mean, you were there, Paul. Was was the atmosphere lacking a little bit when the match was going on? I think the thing that I asked to you guys before the game that I was confident going in to the match that we could maybe sneak a result. What turned my head was when the team got out of the bus, the atmosphere was non-existent. There was nothing there. When when the last game was up, if they see the Salzburg game, for example, European, when the team got, got off the bus, the place was absolutely bouncing. There was flares everywhere. The full Celtic way was in great voice and singing. When the team got off the bus on Thursday night, there was it was a couple of claps and a couple of shouts, and that, that was about it. And I don't know if that just set the precedent for the rest of the night. The Green Brigade and the boys were great. I think that they were in, in good voice, but the full thing felt flat. And I think from about 15 minutes in, there was a sense of inevitability about the, the result and what it was going to be. And that's perhaps a vicious cycle as well, because it, you know, poor results lead to, to an unrest and a, uh, a fear from fans almost going on to this, these big games. It's going to be more of the same and equally... a a quieter Celtic Park will will be easier for opposition players. I'm not suggesting for a minute that a team of Valencia's calibre are being spooked when they come to a Celtic Park, but it, it certainly it certainly must inspire the Celtic team. And if it's slightly quieter there, the the players are obviously less likely to, to you know to be to give that extra ten percent or whatever. I know people who argue they should be given everything anyway, but I mean if, if Celtic Park's absolutely rocking, you're not telling me that the players aren't more likely to get a result. Um, so yeah, we, you've kind of touched on it already, John. But you know, we're we're inept in Europe. We've mm-hmm. it's p- p- perhaps worth at this point just pointing out the fact that Brendan Rodgers has taken us back into the Champions League the, the two seasons prior to this one, where we hadn't been uh, since Neil Lennon. Before then, we have had some good results. I mentioned them earlier on in the podcast, so it hasn't always been negative, but equally. Um, it, is, it has been kind of mainly disappointing under him in Europe um, but equally he's been brilliant domestically flawless domestically seven trophies from seven on course for, for eight and nine at the moment are you guys happy to, to put up with this you know Jekyll and Hyde type Celtic to, to put up with the the, deme- the European one to, to savour the enjoyment of domestic football yeah, I think I've actually I've already partitioned it in my mind. Like like I said, I feel I genuinely feel like there's two Celtics now. You're supporting Celtic when it comes to domestic football. You're supporting Celtic when it comes to European football. If you look at it, and if you're obviously we were all disappointed on Thursday, we were feeling really low after the game. All three of us, um, we didn't really want to talk about it. Again, talking about today is kind of deflating. But at the start of the season, if you said we got to the knockout stages of the Europa League and we went out with a round of 32, you wouldn't say that's awful, that's an awful run in Europe. You would say, okay, fair enough, Celtic are probably playing to their capabilities. We should be targeting the last 16 of this competition because I think we've got to string together two performances that get us through against the last 32 side. It wasn't to be this time, and I'm happy with the way the club is moving forward. There, what What is for me is that the questions that I have in my brain and the doubts that I have about Celtic are all ones that can be solved in the summer when we can actually do something about it. We spoke at length about the January transfer window and our problems with it and our positives from it. And I think we did kick the ball down the road a little bit with regards to our business. And there are massive questions to answer in the summer, 
but I'm happy to put that to the back of my head for the moment and enjoy Celtic for what it is right now and enjoy us marching towards another league title at least and potentially winning another Scottish Cup and potentially a treble treble. I'm happy right now. I can't in the in the obviously in the immediate the immediate defeat of Valencia it was a real bitter blow to see us perform like that. But I'm feeling better today. And I am happy to put up with it. Like I say, it's just our cross the bear that we are going to play like that against the best teams in Europe. And European football has never been our bread and butter. It's always been that bonus. It's always been that something special that makes us feel that tingle inside. But the things that make us really, really rampant and roaring is domestic success. And it always has been for me. I don't care who it is we're playing. Today was amazing against Kilmarnock. A hard-fought last-minute winner. And it's not as glamorous, it's not as glitzy as the Europa League or the Champions League. But you know what? I wouldn't swap it for the world. And thank God that we've got Brendan Rodgers to lead us through what has been a difficult... You know, Rangers are supposedly coming into the into everyone's targeting us. Everyone's want to take us our crown. But Brendan Rodgers has set the standards to be head and shoulders above all those teams time and again. And he's going to do it again this time. And I say... Hail, hail to that. Could probably end the podcast there, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I've got a wee metaphor that I would like to use, and I know you guys know that I'm a big fan of of eating and my food. <laughs> um, so, so what, what, never going to get away from this. No, but what I would what I would say is that your domestic football is, is see if you go to a greasy spoon and you're you're sitting down for your fry up and you see your stuff on the the menu. You've got your square sliced sausage, you've got your potato scone, you've got your tomato, your mushrooms, and your beans. <laughs> That's your domestic, that's your league. And then you win a, a, a League Cup, you maybe get a wee pancake on the side. Um, you get, you go, there's the Scottish Cup, maybe you get your tea or coffee and your toast for free. Your, your extras is your, your bacon with your maple syrup and, and your wee things that you don't expect when you're getting a fry up. That's, that's What's the Europa League company to Valencia? So, so, so Europa League company to Valencia is, is expecting a, a really nice pancake and it's coming out and, and you, you thought that's what I want and you, you take it and it's, it's a wee bit softer and it's not fried your Champions League is your fried bread you're like oh something you're not always going to get when you're having a fry up you, know, you make it in the house you're not going to make fried bread but you get it now and again you savour it and you really like it um, and then you go back to your, your normal breakfast you get your bacon your sausage and your beans and you're happy you know Poetic, Paul. That's the way I look at it. I I think I could probably end the podcast on that. (laughs) Is that Hugh McIlvenny on the podcast the other end there? (laughs) He's back in spirit talking about a wee munch. Fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Wow, I don't really know where to go from there other than say that I probably agree with you certainly, I'm never hungry. (laughs) I'll wait make my dinner season a bit. No, I definitely agree with you, John. I don't quite know what Paul was saying there, but I probably go along with parts of it. Um... Yeah, domestic football is where it's all at. I, I quite simply, and I feel like it's a, in many ways, it's a hypothetical argument, but in many ways, it's actually not. Because if we were to get another manager in future, chances are, say it was, for argument's sake, Neil Lennon, where you're more likely to throw in a, a poor one at Hamden and go out with one of the cups or earlier on in the cups, but equally, you're mm-hmm. more likely to beat a Barcelona at home. What one do I prefer? I don't know if I really have a choice to be honest. I can just kind of take what I'm given, but I'm really enjoying this this period of dominance domestically for Celtic. Domestic football is your bread and butter. It's uh, it's the one that matters the most. And to be honest, I, I always have always has I always have viewed Europe as 
a bit of a bonus. We're never going to win any of the European competitions, but it's always nice to, to make a wee dent in them. And as I say, I think it's very easy after that Valencia result and the tie is over, we will go out, etc, etc. In the cold light of day, when you look at it, I don't think you can actually say that Brendan Rodgers' record in Europe is absolutely woeful. I think we have had some results. I think, as we say, he has taken us into... Um, the Champions League group, you know, finished third in our Champions League group last season, finished second ahead of a, a good German Bundesliga team who we beat this year in the Europa League. I think there are positives there, so I don't think it's been completely negative, but equally it has at, at times been pretty poor stuff. So, in, in summary, domestic football for me where it, is where it's all at, and I'm, I'm delighted we're going for, for eight and nine, trophy eight and nine, a Brendan Rodgers reign, and uh, long may it continue. Fantastic. Right, two more games before 57 becomes a reality. We've got Valencia away, 5.55 kick-off on Thursday evening. We've then got Motherwell, who are six wins in a row, Motherwell. So no easy game on Sunday, although I would expect us to win that. And who knows, maybe even go further clear. Three o'clock kick-off for that one. Just uh, talk us through the Valencia game first, Paul, and uh, how do you think it'll go and give us a wee prediction? Well, I think I think we... we we as fans will have written this game off. The players will obviously be wanting to try their best and, and get some sort of result and, and pull off the, the unexpected. It won't happen. Uh, Valencia are a very good side and they're even better at home um, as their form has shown. Um, I think it'll be a, a tough, turgid affair, um, low scoring, and I'll be delighted. And I'll, I'll put my neck in the line and say we'll, we'll draw 1-1. One, one. Is there any chance of a comeback, John? Uh, no, not for me. The only reason I'm going to give you a prediction is because you're doing that daft prediction league, and I think <laughs> we're, there's every chance that we get humped. So, in the spirit of of in the spirit of being right about your prediction league, I say three 0 Valencia. But but everyone that's going to that game, there's are thousands of people going. They're all going to have a magic time regardless of what the result is. So I say go and enjoy it. Go and have a go and have a bevy. Go and eat some nice Spanish food. Go and get a bit of sunshine and come back refreshed and relaxed for next week's encounter against Motherwell. Yeah, it's a repeat for me, 2-0 Valencia, tie over, no real worries. It's probably a game that I probably won't even bother watching, you know that? I can't really be bothered. I think if we Oh, you will so. You will so. I bet you I don't. Put it that way. (laughs) Right, three days later, or two days later, sorry, can't do my maths, we've got Sunday, Motherwell at home. As I say, they're on a good run of form. This is another match. It's another march towards uh, title number 50, Paul. Uh, How do you see this one going? I actually watched Motherwell Hearts earlier. Um, They weren't great. I think the two teams kind of cancelled each other out and it was a horrendous goalkeeping error that got them their win. The last time they were on a winning run of this, we ended it, we'll end it again and we'll beat them 2-0. Yeah, I'll go for I'll go for more than that. Actually. I'll go 3-0. I think we're just ruthless at home. We have been all season um, and I could see even though that the fact we're away in, in Spain just two days before, less than two days before that game, I think we'll, we'll come back and it'll just be this Jekyll and Hyde continuation for Celtic beaten in Europe, outclassed in Europe, but will be ruthless at home. Uh, 3-0 for me, yeah. I'll go for... I'll be the negative one. I'll say 3-1. What a shocker. Conceding a goal, sack Brendan Rodgers. No, I think, um, like you say, Motherwell are full of confidence right now. I think it could be a pretty decent match. I think we'll overcome them. I think we'll win 3-1. Who do you think will score the goal, John Allen Burrows? <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll take credit for it, so it doesn't really matter who scores. <laughs> Right, anything else? I believe we've got a nice bit of news, John. A nice bit of news? Oh, we're on Instagram, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, anything a wee munch can do, we can do better. 
Yeah, we decided that it's gone too long. Paul's taken up all the Instagram likes with his three accounts, so we're on we're on Instagram and we don't have many followers. We had zero before the podcast started. I'll tell you, I'll give you a live look at the account right now and tell you that we have. Wait, how how do you do? I see. I don't even know how to work Instagram. That's the problem. Hold on. I'll tell you how many followers we have. We've got twenty five followers now. Fantastic. If you want to. If you want to add to that number, you can follow us at Grand Old Pod. That's where the or or search the Grand Old Podcast. Just have I a wee look for us. Don't think you really get there. handles on Instagram, do you? It's just kind no. of Grand Old Pod. Um, so yeah, give that a go. Um, yeah, so my my wee story from earlier, and this is this oh, is a bit of go. an embarrassing one, perhaps the most embarrassing moment of my whole life. Uh, I was working obviously at the game earlier for for my employer's Rock Sport Radio. Um, as you do, you do your, your report, watch the game, you then get the manager's thoughts afterwards. Uh, I, I kind of don't know how really to say this, other than the fact that Brendan Rodgers asked me to pull my zipper up. <laughs> <laughs> what was the context behind that? Well, just my zipper randomly was said it. Right, and he yeah, just... it was it was quite literally right in his eye line as he was doing, and he was halfway through his first answer talking about how great a, a result it had been, all that kind of stuff, and he, he paused halfway through, and to the amusement of the rest of the press in the, the press room, um, he said, uh, excuse me, can you can you just pull your zipper up? There's ladies present. <laughs> so, Brendan <laughs> Rodgers was question. looking at your cock. I've got a question. Were your boss it because of Brini's winner? Well, I, I'm not going to say the two the two things were linked, John, but, I mean, you do the math. It, it was li- literally only I'm, about 20 minutes following that goal, so... Yeah, it may, have, it may have been linked. Got another question. Were they like that all day, or did you go to the toilet? I, I'm blaming the jeans. I'm blaming the jeans. Okay. Um, I'm convinced okay. there's a problem in the jean department because I hadn't been to the toilet since I put them on and they were 100% up when I put them on, so they've obviously come down during the game or maybe I've had a wee bit of fun when Scott Brown scored that goal and uh, yeah, the, the manager of Celtic, my idol, has asked me to put it back up, so... Yeah, that was the most embarrassing moment of yeah my life. It can no longer get any worse than that. I've actually got audio of it here, but there's not a chance it's going anywhere near a podcast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, there we go. He might, he might not have a grip of European football, but he's got a grip of you, your crotch, so we're all good. So. <laughs> I think that's a kind of nice way to end the podcast. Last podcast we had Paul Square going, the Hibs manager. Now Brendan Rodgers is telling me to put my willy away. So who knows what podcast number 57 will bring, John? You're up next. Yeah, God, I'll need to come up with something something good. <laughs> Fantastic. Right, thanks once again, Paul, for joining us here. Thank you. And John McGinley, of course, as well. Cheers, lads. We will be back in a week's time and hopefully Celtic are into the Europa League. No, I'm kidding on. We'll just be back once we've beaten Valencia. Eh, sorry, <laughs> try that again. We'll be back once we've beaten Motherwell. Take care and hail, hail.